Jeremiah chapter 8. I will go there just a moment. Then I'm going to Luke. I'm going to tie these two together. You may be thinking, where's he going with uh, these two stories? But I hope to tie those all this together before uh, I get to the end of this day. So just follow closely with me today. In Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 18 through 22, I believe this is a word for the church, for the world today. It says, I would comfort myself in sorrow. My heart is faint in me. Listen, the voice, the cry of the daughter of my people from a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger? with their carved images, with their foreign idols. The harvest is past. Listen. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are still not saved. Hmm. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am mourning astonishment has taken hold of me. Is there no bomb, B-A-L-M? No, is there no healing ointment? Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? Mm. In this passage, God is speaking to the nation of Israel. And he is stating that the harvest time is up. The season when vegetation was growing has come to an end. They have been harvested. And he said, the season is over. It has passed. The, 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 the summer has come to an end, yet we are still not saved. Yet there are still people that are hurting. It is like in this passage, God is defining time in this statement. He is reminding Israel, his people, his nation, the, 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 the chosen people that the time is of the essence. The summer has ended. The time is up. And I just want to remind you that just because God opens a door before you, it doesn't mean that that door will stay open forever. Doors have a shelf life. Opportunities must be seized in the moment because doors do not stay open forever. He said, the season has ended. The Lord was speaking to Israel and he was saying, there will come a time when we will run out of time. There will come a time when time will be no more. 
And no matter your age, we all sometimes or every day live like tomorrow is just going to happen. I have never closed my eyes at night and thought, I may not wake up in the morning. But he said, it's at the end of the season. And while God is addressing this concern with Israel, I want you to understand that in the Old Testament, Israel is the nation. But in the New Testament, references to Israel is about the church. You and I. He said the season has ended and there are still unsaved and there are still hurting people all around you and the season is over. Time has come to an end and he makes the statement, is there no palm in Gilead? Is there no physician? If he was speaking it today, I believe he would say, church, Time is ending. This season of life is coming to a close. Why are there so many unsaved people among you? Why are there still so many people hurting? Is there no bomb in the church? Is there no healing ointment in your church? Is there no Holy Spirit flowing in your church? Where has the physician gone in the church? What he was saying in that moment is equivalent to him saying, church, do you not have anything to help people when they show up in the presence of me? Church, when people show up, can they not experience something that can change their lives forever? Church, are you so concerned with programs and your social media status and being politically correct and your image that if it doesn't fit in a pretty little box, you have nothing to offer? Church, do you not get it? The sick and the unsaved need a great physician. I have put healing balm in the church for such a time as this. And he's saying, do I not still have enough balm in me? Do I not have enough balm healing ointment inside of me to turn entire homes and families to the cross? Is there no Jesus left in the church? Hmm. Does the church even care about people getting saved? Wow. The Bible says that the time is coming when all time has passed and people will be standing there unsaved. He's painting a picture of the rapture. The rapture is real. I don't want to mess up your theology, but let me do it this morning. One day a trumpet will sound. And those who are alive in Christ will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. It's something to shout about. His promises are yes and amen. He is, God is sending his son for you to be saved so that whenever the moment comes, if you are still alive and your season has not ended, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be transformed 
It is real. But as we are being transformed, it says that there will be people all around us who are unsaved. And they are watching the transition happen before them. How can this be real? How can it be in Rome, Georgia with a church on every corner and there are still people lost? There are still people this morning who will come to church and leave just like they came, full of anxiety and depression. People will come to church sick and they will leave sick. Do we not still believe that Jesus' blood is enough? Do we not still believe that addictions can be broken without a 12-step program? Can we not still sing a song and the presence of God comes in this place and people just start walking to the altar during worship and just laying out before the Lord and receive salvation without anyone having to lay hands on them. If we have lost it, we need to find it. If there are churches in Rome, Georgia that have lost it, God, let them find it. Do we care if people are getting saved? Do we care if there is a healing bomb in our churches? Do we care that people are walking away from the blessed life of the Lord? People are walking away from the Father's house at an alarming rate. But do we care? They are walking away from the blessed life. Look with me, speaking of seasons and speaking of a blessed life. Let me draw the line here to Luke chapter 15 verse 11. It is a famous passage of scripture known as the prodigal son. And in Luke chapter 15 verse 11, it starts off by saying, Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them, and the younger one of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the, the youngest son gathered all together and he journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, when everything was gone, he spent everything. How many of you know that sin will take your all? One sinful decision can rob you of your self-esteem. Sin will steal your identity. It will steal your future and your joy. Sin will take everything that you have. Verse 14, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of a foreign country and that man sent him into the fields to feed the swine and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. 
Isn't it funny and very, very sad that when he had possessions, everyone took from him. But now he has nothing. No one will give him anything. Hmm. But when he had come to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, yet I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no, wor no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring upon his hand and sandals upon his dirty feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is now alive again he will he was lost but now is found and they begin to be merry this boy wanted his inheritance prematurely he wanted what was meant later for his life he wanted it now and looking the boy really had nothing to gain by taking his inheritance early and leaving his father's house he wasn't going to get any richer by taking it prematurely and leaving and when he took it we 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 can look at this story and I honestly don't think that this boy was wanting more but I think what he was wanting was control hmm. he knew his father had something and he had a plan he had an agenda and he wanted control so he could do what he wanted to do he was asking for his inheritance prematurely. Why? Because he had a plan. He wanted control. He wanted to do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. I not only want to be blessed, Lord, but I want to control over all of my blessings. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And if I can't control all the variables, I will just leave sound familiar to anyone's life I want it my way I want the blessing to look like this when it is before me and if I can't do it I'll just leave you may you may live with this person who always wants control this person who always needs control it may be you this morning it's their way or no way you may have to work with somebody who's a control freak you may have to lead somebody I see smiles today you may have to lead somebody be the boss of somebody whether it's their way or no way and if you live with that person or you work with that person or you are that person it is difficult can I get an amen So I want what is mine, but I don't want to answer to anyone. So give me control of it and let me go. As I read this, I start seeing a restless spirit among him. There is something 
just restless inside of him. He's dying to get control. He, he, he's wanting to get out of the house to, 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 to spread his own wings and, and to sow his own oats. There's this restless spirit and this happens a lot and I am seeing this happen not only in the world but in the church. A restless spirit. It's hard to satisfy some people. Can I get an amen? amen? There are some people in your life you will never be able to satisfy. I learned that lesson very quickly. I've shared this story with you that one day I heard the Lord say, Chase, you can either pastor a church where the people are happy or you can pastor a church where I am happy. You will never have both. It's hard to satisfy some people. Those, have, have you noticed this, this restless spirit? Some people will never be happy. We have those people who are just are, who are a little overweight and they want to be smaller. And then the skinny people, they're mad because they don't have the curves. We have some people that go get their hair thinned out because they have too much. And then we have others that get extensions because they don't have enough. There's this restlessness. There's a restless spirit in the world. And there's this restless spirit in the church. You, there, there are some people, you can get a new house. And in, and in about a year, you want to remodel it. You want to paint it. You want something added on. You want to move because you're no longer satisfied with it. You can get a new car. And about a month, a new, uh, another car starts catching your attention. Something else. Why? Because you're restless. There are some people, you went to the beach for a vacation. And while your toes were in the sand, you were sitting there thinking, I should have gone to the mountains. It's cooler there. And when the enemy wants to mess with you, when the enemy wants to get you out of a house of blessing, he sends a restless spirit. Come out of the blessed house. He will send something. I just don't know about that place anymore. I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of blessing, back in the book of Numbers, the Moabites are trying to conquer Israel. Follow me. I'm drawing the line here. They could not conquer Israel because Israel was just too strong of a nation. So they tried to go get a sorcerer. His name was Balaam. And, and he said, and he, they, they, they hired him. And they're giving him instructions to go put a curse on God's people. And while this satanic man, this sorcerer is trying to do this, this man comes to the conclusion, I can't do anything with God's people because you cannot curse what God has blessed. Amen. Even this evil man in the middle of it all comes to the understanding you can't even put a hex on what God has his hand on. Amen. See, see, you can come in here and you can burn incense and with your little feather and you can walk around trying to connect with the evil spirits all you want to. You can march around this building all you want to with your sage and you can walk around with your rocks and with your crystals and you can walk around trying to connect to the earth. You can walk around me when I'm downtown or 
on Broad Street and you can walk around me doing chants all you want to. I don't want to scare anybody, but a few weeks ago, we even had a gentleman in here in a service and the policeman said that he is part of a growing group. They are satanic and they are going in churches trying to put curses and spells on the pastor and on the leadership of the church. Well, let me tell you something this morning. You can stab your voodoo doll all you want to, but you better quit wasting your time because if God has his hand upon me, you can't touch what God has his hand on. It's time for the church to stand up and say, Satan, get behind the church. Get behind me because I'm in the middle of his blessings. And when I'm in the middle of a blessed life, I've got a hedge of protection all around me. For thou, O Lord, are a shield before me. Come on, somebody say, get behind me, Satan. Get behind the church. God's hand is upon me. Get behind the church. You've been in front of the church too long. Get behind me. You've been in my ear too long. Get behind me. Get behind me. And it's important for you to know that this word of blessing has nothing to do with money. The devil is a liar. Pastors can't even preach about money because everybody gets mad. We can't preach about tithing or giving because, oh, he's one of them. Blessings has nothing to do with money. Blessed life is a verb. It is, excuse me, it is not a verb. It is a noun. It is not something that God just wants to do to you. It is a state of being. When you are blessed, it doesn't mean that you have money. It doesn't mean that you drive Mercedes. It doesn't mean that you walk around with lofty people. No, no, no. That's not what blessed means. This, I love this definition. This is not my definition, so I don't take credit for it. But I love this definition of blessed. It says, blessed is the inability for life to conquer you. When you are living the blessed life, you are living in a life where, you, where, where the inability for it to conquer you. If you are blessed, let me bust your theology. You will see some trouble. You will have some mountains. You will have to crawl and cry through some valleys, but you will rise above the trouble and the issue in the end. Why? Because blessed is a state of being. I want you to write these down, those of you taking notes. In the Bible, there are some places of blessings. I'm tying this together. Follow me. There are places Places of blessings throughout the Bible. One place of blessing is you are blessed in your marriage. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And so many times we stop quoting it right there. But it says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing, comma, and obtains favor from the Lord. When, listen, let me get on a soapbox. This word says, He when a man finds a wife, which is a woman. 
I'm not blessing that agenda today. So if you are part of that agenda and you are married, this blessing is not upon you. I hate to break it to you, but let me just tell something about it this, this pride month. I've got pride in knowing that his promises are real. I've got pride in knowing that when a man and a woman get together in a holy matrimony, it is a good thing and his blessings are upon you. In the book of Genesis, it says the Lord says it's not good for a man to be alone. So he created his mate woman and he blessed it. The first thing I want you to understand is that marriage is a place of blessing. The second in the Bible says that I want to point out to you in the Bible is, 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 is the place of the tither. It says the word says that whenever you give a tenth, there is a protection around you and your household. Does that mean that nothing bad will never happen to you? Absolutely not. But there is a line that the enemy cannot cross because of the blessing of the tithe upon your life. Can I get an amen? And the third place I want you to understand where blessing is, is the house of God. It is this house, the church, wherever your church may be. It says when God's people get together in unity when they come together with one mind and one accord guess what that that is when uh, the lord says there i command my blessing when they come into the house of the lord together listen if the enemy can't curse what god has blessed if the enemy cannot touch you whenever you are in a blessed life how does he get to you how can the devil get to you whenever you are in the blessed life how can you be cursed if you are in the blessing if the word says he can't touch you let me break it to you if the enemy can't curse what god has blessed then the enemy needs your help to curse you if you've ever been cursed by satan you helped him Ooh. in other words the devil has to woo you out of the blessed place just so he can grab hold of you. He has to woo you out get you out of your marriage he has to get you out of the spirit of giving he wants you to leave your church why because whenever you do he's got a grip on you and this last week in the or this last year in a pandemic the devil was successful at getting the church out of the church and getting the church to think i can have church in my living room and now guess what there's a generation that the devil has his hand on because you stepped out of the blessed place gets a grip on you another way that the devil gets a grip on you is a word that I have grown to hate the devil woos you out of the blessed place through offense I'm offended I am convinced that when we stand before the Lord, there will be more people that do not get into heaven because of petty offenses than there are because of murder. You better get that in your spirit. Something petty, an offense. He 
He wants you to have an offense in your marriage. You offended me. He wants you to have an offense with your giving, an offense in your church. Offense. Listen, this is so good, and you need to get this in your spirit and in your notes. The word offense in the Greek, and the word uh, offense means a stick of bait. A trigger on a trap. Woo. We are in a generation where everybody's offended. And I'm sick and tired of offending. I'm sick and tired of the excuse, I'm offended. The word offense is the bait at the end of a stick. A trigger point on a trap. Are you getting this? In the Bible, offense is that meat that someone puts on the trigger point. If you've ever seen a cage that catches a wild animal, you know that it's not some great science, but somebody had a real good idea because you go in and you put your meat or you put whatever it is. It's like the mouse trap, and you put it on the trigger point. And whenever it gets into the cage, it touches it and the cage closes and it has separated itself from life and is caught up in a trap. It has removed itself from the life that it once knew. The Bible says that offense is the meat on the trap. So every time you get mad at a blessed place in your life, do you know what is happening? It's not about you. It's not about them. It's not about somebody hurting your feelings. It is straight up Satan with the meat at the end of the trap saying, I can't get you in your happily when you're happily married in your holy matrimony. I can't get you when you're giving. I can't get you when you're happy in the church. But come here, take the bait. Come on out of the blessed life. Cause because I can't reach you in the house. But if I can get you out of the house, if I can get you out of the blessed place, if I can get you mad at somebody sitting on the other side of the church, come on, somebody. If I can get you mad because Junior didn't get the solo because Junior wasn't Jesus in the Easter musical. If I can get you your, your feathers a little ruffled at last week's message, you thought oh, he he must know my story story he's up there preaching about me he might as well just said my name I ain't ever going back there if I can ruffle your feathers because you had to come to 11 o'clock instead of 9 15 if I can just ruffle your feathers because you didn't get premium parking this week but you had to walk up the street to get in the presence of the Lord if I could just ruffle your feathers and get you out of the blessed place I've got you oh if I could just curse on you because because I can't put a curse on you if you're in the blessed place of life unless you help me out <sighs> come on take the bait help, help me out and then <sighs> you get a restless spirit <sighs> I can't go back there <sighs> if they sing that get out of the grave song one more time <sighs> I know every song they're going to sing I know what the pastor's going to do. Oh, look, he pulled the chair up up there. At least he had something new in his spirit today. <laughs> You're laughing, but that's what goes through some people's heads. Because the devil is, come on out of there. 
Come on out of the blessed place. Let me get you out of the Father's house. Take it. Come on. Come on. Take the bait. And then you get this restless spirit. And they won't let me be in leadership. And I already know all of their songs. And nobody calls me every week. And nobody texts me whenever I coughed. And nobody said bless you when I, whenever, I, whenever I had to bend over. Nobody did this. And you get restless. And all of a sudden you start to step out of the blessed place. Well, I really don't even need to go to church anyway. That's just a that's that's just religion. That's where religious people go. And whenever you get out of the house, you let your guard down and you start to get a little relaxed with everything. And before you know it, life starts spinning out of control and you don't even know why. And you look around and all of a sudden you find yourself eating the slop of the world. You find yourself in a pig pen and the devil is saying, look, I got another king's kid out of the palace and now they're in a hog pen. Thanks for helping me. And the Bible says that the son lost all of his sustenance. He lost his name. He lost his identity. He lost his integrity. All of his belongings. All because he got a little restless. All because he wanted control. All because he stepped out of the father's house. And got a hold of the bait. He left his father's house. He left the life of blessing. And now he's with the swine eating slop. I got country folk in here. You know what slop is. Anybody grew up in a place you had a slop bucket? It was nasty. Just leftover food. Go take it to the hogs because we don't want it. And now here was a man who was blessed and he got restless. He wanted control. He took the bait and now he's eating the filth. When you can start eating stuff that should make you sick, but it doesn't make you sick, you've got a problem. Whenever you can start engaging in things of this world that once convicted your heart, but now it just seems normal, you've stepped out of your blessed life and the devil has a hold on you. Can anybody agree with me? And all of a sudden, now the things that should have made him sick have now become his feed. They have now become normal. Listen, when you find yourself in an unwanted season, Come to your senses. The words that he came to his senses. What did he looked around and thought, what am I doing here? The season is almost over. And I'm standing here unsaved. I am sick. I have lost it all. He's looking around and he comes to the realization. Do you know what made him come to his senses? He looked around. Some of you need to look around because you keep finding yourself under the curse of Satan. And you need to ask yourself, how did I get in this place again? How did I lose a job again? How did I burn a bridge again? 
How did I wreck a relationship again? Was it my attitude again? Was it, was it, was it, was it the way I behaved? Was it, well, what was it? What did I do again? He looks around and realizes that he is in a disgusting place. That, 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 that it is nothing like the house that he stepped out of. It is nothing like the blessed life that he moved from. He looks at the food and thought, this doesn't look like anything I should be eating. He looked at the pigs and thought, y'all don't look like people I should be running with on earth. Whether by offense or by restlessness, so many times you get out of your blessed place. And the devil gets a hand on you. Ban, help me out. The devil gets a grip on you. Sometimes we, we give the devil too much credit when it's something we stepped out of and gave him access to us. You may be looking around this morning and thinking, how did I get here? How do I get back into the house of blessing? I don't want to be here. How was I so crazy that I lost it all? How did I get here where I lost that again? I lost that again. How did I get here? How did I do it? How did I get here? How did I lose my friends? How did, how did I lose my leadership? How did I lose my status? How did I lose my integrity? How did I lose my wife? How did I lose my children? How do, how do I get back? I've moved out or I've, I've, I've moved out of the shelter of giving. I, my, my, my marriage was blessed, but now there's some stuff in there and offense. And, and so now there's some, there's some, there's some just, I don't know, restlessness in it. I'm offended at the church. And I mean, you may be watching right now online at home and you're sitting there and you're offended at your church. So now you're watching Legacy Church and you're sitting there trying to figure it all out. I know there are some people right now that who you are watching which camera are you looking at? This one right here? This one? I'm talking to you at home. You may be sitting there right now and you're like, I don't know how. I just can't go back to church. Everybody's judgmental. Who cares? They will not. You, will, you don't have to stand before them on judgment day. You have to stand before the Lord. Who cares what Sister Susie says? I don't. If I cared what everybody thought about me, I would have quit day one of legacy. But I come to the realization, there's just some people, they will never be happy until they get back into a blessed place. I'm offended I can't go back. And you're sitting here thinking, I've stepped out of a house of blessing. I wanted control. My attitude did it again. My mouth ruined an opportunity for me again. How, how do I get back there? How? What? How, I don't even know how. How do I get back to the blessed house? My time is up. The season is over. I'm lost. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at my spouse. I'm mad at the church. How do I get back? I just want to remind you, there is a bomb in Gilead this morning. 
There's a healing ointment in the church today. There's a great physician that is in the house today. I want to remind you, all you've got to do is come back to the Lord. Will you just stand up with me this morning? We're going to sing this out this morning. somebody the opportunity to find Jesus Christ today. You may feel like that prodigal son and you've drifted away and you feel like you've walked away from salvation. You feel like you've walked away from the Lord and you just say, you know what? I need Jesus today. I need salvation today. I need to start over. You may, you may, you, you, you may have known Jesus when, whenever you were in middle school or you may have known Jesus even last 
blessed you of your life, but, but you've stepped away and you just felt like Satan has pulled you away from him. Guess what? I want to tell you that our God is a God of second chances. Our God is a God of grace and mercy. And you've never gone too far away from the hand of our God. You've never slipped so far away that our Lord cannot reach down and pull you up from the miry clay today. If you're here and you say, you know what? I need Jesus in my life. Nobody looking around. I'm going to pray for you today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know who I'm praying for. If you would, I just want you to raise up your hand right now. Say, I need it. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand today. Four or five people. I see your hand right now. I want you to open your mouth in church. I want you to repeat these words after me. If your hand is raised, you need to repeat with me. Also say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I confess I'm not perfect, but today I confess you are the Lord of my life. I confess that I know Lord God sent his son to die for my sins. And today I am being saved by the blood of the lamb. Today, I'm starting over. I will never go back. But today is a new day. It's a new chapter. I am saved. I am saved. Satan, get behind me. Get your hand off of me. I'm stepping into a blessed life today. Oh, come on, somebody give God praise for the four or five people that just found Jesus Christ. Come on, lift up some noise. Rattle the pits of hell today. Hey.